45-Hour Post-Education for Florida Real Estate Sales Associates by Edward J. O'Donnell. Follow the legislative mandate to increase professionalism of licensees. If you think that a textbook will help you, you have two choices, a physical textbook or an ebook. Just click on the link below to purchase. At the beginning of each section is an introductory paragraph designed to set the tone for the units. In that section, a second paragraph given the reason for focus of the subject area described. The sections comprise 14 units. Each unit in the manual is divided into the following parts. Unit material, key term practices, and answers to the discussion exercises. Each unit overview offers a summary of the subject area covered. Each unit in the textbook lists learning objectives. Key term list is a teaching vehicle at the beginning of the unit rather than alert you at the beginning of the unit. Only the important terms used in each unit are listed. Many key terms from FREC Course 1 for Sales Associate are used in the unit but are not identified as such in the textbook. This post-licensing course is a follow-up course building on your knowledge learned and experience gained rather than repeating Course 1 material. Each unit in this manual contains a fill-in-the-blank quiz using some key terms shown in the unit. Near the end of each unit in the textbook is a short synopsis of the major points. Practice exam multiple-choice questions follow each unit and are similar to those found in the practice final exam and on the end of course exam. The answers to the quizzes <clears throat> are at the end of each unit in this manual and in the answer key in the back of the manual. If you think that a textbook would help you, you again have two choices. You can purchase a physical textbook or you can purchase the ebook. Just click on your choice to purchase. A glossary of key terms is included to help students increase their real estate vocabulary. Section one, laying the foundation for a successful career. Unit one talks about legal issues and risk management. Unit two, fair housing and the American with Disabilities Act. Unit three, business planning and time management. Section two, obtaining listings that sell. Unit four, up prospecting for listings. Unit five, pricing the property to sell. Unit six, making the listing presentation. Unit seven, listing contracts. Section three, selling real property. Unit eight, working with buyers. Unit nine, sales and option contracts. Unit 10, writing and presenting the offer. Section four, financing and closing real estate transactions. Unit 11, exploring mortgage alternatives. Unit 12, acquiring financing for property. And unit 13, closing the transaction. Section five, analyzing and managing investment properties. Unit 14, analyzing and managing investment properties and your practice exam answer and rationale. Final word, many students have a negative view of the post-licensing only because the attendance is mandatory. This is an excellent opportunity for you to gain from the educational experience. I will do all I can to help you become more comfortable and competent in your real estate activities. I want you to know the rewards you'll receive in the business from studying each area being presented and discussed. I will throughout the course be making and keeping the learning alive. Examples from my professional experiences to make teaching points. If you think that a textbook will help you, you have two choices, a physical book, or again, you can purchase the ebook. That's your choice to purchase. Your guide, Vinny DeRosa, Florida real estate licensed instructor since 1980. Part of Florida Real Estate University.
45 Post-Licensing Education for Real Estate Sales Associates by Edward J. O'Donnell, provided by Dearborn Real Estate Education. Unit 9, Sales and Option Contracts. Well, what's a contract? Hey, a contract's a promise that must be performed. If the contract is breached, the injured party is entitled to a remedy. A contract requires consideration. Okay, what is consideration? A consideration can be a promise. I promise to buy, you promise to sell. That's consideration. Didn't say anything about money. Contract requires consideration. Statute of fraud. A contract to be enforceable must be in writing and signed if they are for the sale of real estate. Cannot be performed within a year. Two exemptions to the sale of real estate. Contracts that have been closed and contracts for which partial or full payment has been made and the buyer has either taken possession or made improvements. Printed forms. Use only the appropriate forms of contract. If you're an agent working for a brokerage, yes, that's all you do is you take the appropriate printed forms. For house, duh, use a residential contract. You know, it used to amaze me that agents sometimes would go, well, what contract do I use? Well, is it residential? Yes. Then use the residential. If it's a condo, there's addendums for those things. So, residential contracts are not suitable for a business purchase or sale because there are different parameters. Construction or improvement contracts, contract for deed, exchanges, leases with option to buy, option contracts, or unique and complex transactions. So residential contracts are residential. What's the definition of residential? One or four less units. If it's got five units, it's not residential any longer. So anything under four units. Time is of the essence. Hmm, I've heard that before, right? Failure of a party to perform duties is required. Time is a default. So in that required time, if you fail... You're in default. Time in a contract include additional deposits that are due, time to get financing approved, inspection periods, delivery of title evidence, and signatures on offers and counteroffers and the closing date. They are all part of time is of the essence. At that moment in time, when that time comes up, you got to perform. You're required. Otherwise, you're in default. Buyer's name on the contract. Well, that's a good idea. Each buyer on the contract must sign it. If that is to be changed later, a contract amendment should be made before closing. Buyers who ask about how they should take title should refer to an attorney. Yeah, you know, there may be different scenarios. You may have unmarried couples. You may have parents buying with their kids. So there's multiple scenarios. And I suggest that they either talk to an attorney or talk to the title company how to take title because I don't want to be responsible if they put the wrong information on there and it's done incorrectly. Legal descriptions. If defective, the contract could be voidable. If they put something in the legal and we do a, a, a search and we find out that there was an easement recorded but it wasn't on the title, that's a defect. Sufficiency of a description is whether a surveyor can locate the boundaries and don't rely on tax roll descriptions. Absolutely. You know, you, you can go into the county records and you can actually go into the tax rolls, but I go to the tax assessors. 
because that's the one who puts the, the value on the property, and uh, pull up the county uh, information. You know, block, lot, the complete legal, not just a tax ID. Improvements and attachments. Contracts include all real estate and attachments, such as ceiling fans, light fixtures, drapes, and rods. Here's the old attitude about that. If it's glued or screwed, it stays glued or screwed. It's attached. List all personal property, include kitchen equipment and appliances. Yeah, if they say, hey, look, we're going to leave the refrigerator, the washer, the dryer, you put it on there. Furniture listed with value for each piece is now subject to state sales tax. So if you're listing personal property, the kitchen equipment and appliances, it's a bundle. It's, there's no value to it. It's just listed as coming with the home. But if they list it individually with a price, then you got Florida sales tax you're going to have to deal with. Financing can be cash, no contingency, or financing. That's simple. Hey, I'm going to bring cash at closing. And obviously, you want proof of funds because that would make you really look bad showing up at a closing. They don't have the funds to close. And time for application for loan is included. So financing, we've got two choices, cash or finance. And again, if you're paying cash, you're saying, look, I have no contingencies on my financing other than subject to inspections and title searches and surveys and termites. All that other stuff stays in place, but we're talking about just cash. And then the application for, for the loan. That's also put on there as far as timing. Closing. The property should be swept clean. No junk left behind. Oh, man, yeah. Sellers moving out, and they move everything into the garage, and friends were supposed to come by and pick up stuff. And we're doing the walkthrough the next morning, and I'm there a couple of days before the closing, and I said, okay, I see you got the house cleaned out. Looks like everything's boxed, ready for the movers to come in and pick them up and take them out the door. But I also see stuff in the garage. Is that stuff going? Oh, yeah, it's going to get picked up. What about the shed out back? It has been emptied versus uh, emptied. Plus, you've left the lawnmower and all the items. Yeah, yeah, we've done that. Okay, you check it out. Okay. So the contract will describe which costs will be paid by the buyer and which costs will be paid by the seller. And that's in the contract. Who's paying for what? And again, we'll get into that when we get into the contracts a little more further. Property condition. Date set for completing inspections. Yeah, I want to know sooner versus later. So we try to get termite and home inspections done up front. Uh, if there's a seawall, we get that done up front. Uh, if there's if there's wetlands or anything like that, we want to do that as quickly as possible. We don't want to wait until the very end. So if there are issues, we can either resolve it or walk away. Seller's got to disclose all known defects. Absolutely. And if they don't, there's recourse. Uh, seller warrants items to be working order at the time of closing. And, and again, the inspection was done. The home inspection was done a couple of weeks earlier. Uh, I suggest that, you know, you do a, a, a thorough check on that. And if you have to, you can bring the inspector back for a second walkthrough. Home inspection options. Buyer to object to inspection items within five days. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, five days is, is pretty close to the closing. And then if there's any other issues, you know, the inspector can bring it up at that time. WDO. What the hell is a WDO? Wood destroying organism. Those little critters that have a notorious habit of coming into your homes. And again, you know, 
we 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 don't kid about those things. Uh, they can do a lot of damage. And ants. People don't know how much ants can do. Walk through inspection to ensure a seller has made required repairs. And again, that's one of those items where if there were extensive items to be repaired and we have documented payment of it and lists of repairs done, uh, I may call back the inspector to have him come back and, and, and do a walkthrough again. I'm not the inspector. I'm not going to write off an opinion that everything was done correctly and satisfactory. So I may have the inspector come back out and do another walkthrough. Title. Title evidence can be up to date by an abstract or title insurance. Again, that's where the lender sometimes will say, well, we use XYZ title, which is fine because all of them are, are pretty much promulgated by the state. They all follow the same mandated rules and laws. Survey may show any kind of encroachments. And encroachments are regarded as a title effect defect. Well, you know, the biggest encroachment is sometimes fences, uh, sheds, swimming pools, uh, driveways. Trees. So, you know, the, the survey will, will show you those defects and they're going to show up on the title. I mean, <clears throat> we had a house one time in St. Petersburg. It was a two car garage, but the garage was splitting two lots. And there was one garage on one lot and one garage on the other lot, but they were all in the same building. It was a house that was built in the 1920s and it was a shared parking garage because they only needed one garage back then. And it was in a detached garage to the house. Over the years, the properties got sold and separated, and we could not get title insurance for the garage. And the buyers could not get insurance on the garage, on their homeowners. They had to get a separate policy. So little things like that. Default dispute resolution. If the seller defaults, says, you know what? I don't want to sell. Buyer can get their binder back and cancel the contract and say, okay, thank you. Goodbye. Buyer can sue for damages. Hey, wait a minute. You said you wanted to close and sell. I spent all this money getting here. I'm going to sue you for damages. And I'm going to sue you to specifically perform what you said you were going to do. If the buyer defaults, the seller can collect a deposit or sue for damages. Again, the buyer may have done something in between the time they rent a contract and went to close, and now they can't close because they did something wrong. Or the house didn't close up north. Well, the seller has a right to collect a deposit or sue for damages. How do you dispute? How do you get a dispute resolved? Well, a dispute over the deposit. You got 30 days, either one of the parties, to go through mediation. So the parties say, okay, you know, we're going to dispute over the deposit. We want it. I want it. We want it. I want it. Well, 30 days, go to mediation. If that fails, the broker submits the dispute to arbitration, a court, or the FREC for resolution, the Florida Real Estate Commission. Guarantee you that if you sent it to FREC, it's going to take forever. More than likely, they're going to mediate it and get it resolved. So most times, mediation first, then litigation is, is the, the last option. So option contracts. A contract between the property owner, the option or, and another, the option E. The option E, this is the other, has the right to purchase the property at a specific price within a time period. An option must contain all the elements of a contract. It's going to look like a contract, except in the end, you're not buying it yet. You're buying it at some time in the future. You're putting down money, and you're saying, look, I'd like to buy it in six months. 
here's X dollars down so that you can't sell it between now and then. I want the opportunity to purchase it in the future. So a lot of things on contracts in unit number seven and option contracts. Again, I'm, I'm going to spend time uh, discussing a lot of these things in a, another series of podcasts on the real way it works in the real world of real estate, not the testing world. The test world is, is fine. And again, granted, you know, we all go through it, but I'm going to take you through the process of, of um, getting through the, the real world of, of buying and selling real estate. Uh, in an additional podcast. So we'll see you in unit number 10. Hi, this is Cousin Vinny. Our sponsor, FloridaRealEstateUniversity.com, meets state-mandated Florida real estate education, offering pre-licensed, post-licensing, and continuing education courses so you can learn it from the comfort of your home or on the road. Visit our sponsor, FloridaRealEstateUniversity.com. Please take time to visit our sponsors at CousinVinnyNetwork.com. Without them, this network would not be possible. That's C-U-Z-I-N-V-I-N-N-I-E Network.com.